Amen. Thank you all for that powerful expression of, of worship and that, that call to, to worship and to love uh, all. And, you know, at, at a time um, like this now, you know, it's, you know, after seeing that and hearing that, sort of being moved by that, it's like almost easy to love. You almost, almost I know you didn't quite, but almost wanted to look at the person next to you and give them a little hug, didn't you? Uh, you can admit it. Uh, just sort of easier to do at times, you know, like this when you have that inspiration. So thank you for that uh, I- inspiration. But today, what we're going to explore is how do you say yes to God? How do you love? How, how, how like Jesus wants us to in the times when it's really difficult, in situations even that are evil. Um, how do we say yes to God? In the face of direct opposition. How do we say yes to obedience to God in the face of direct opposition? Um, that's, uh, I, I know that, that for us Americans, I mean, you, you've heard me, you me, heard me say uh, on a number of occasions, you know, in the first century they were, uh, opposed by the raised sword and today largely were opposed by the raised eyebrow. Uh, it's just a little different content, not necessarily all the time, but largely that's the case. But in, in our setting, for many of us, we face opposition that might be subtle, it might even be called micro uh, uh, aggressions towards our seeking to follow Jesus. Um, just this uh, couple uh, recently uh, sold a, a car. And as I was negotiating, you know, getting top dollar and all the rest, you know, the person said, well, I tell you what, once we get here, can you just put that I bought it for a thousand dollars on the title? Because just we'll know, it won't matter, it'll save me money because I don't have to pay taxes on that. And, uh, yet in, in that moment, I was faced with a little bit of a opposition to following Jesus. Because Jesus calls us to be honest. Yeah, and in, in that moment, and I'll talk a little bit about this little story a little later, did just say, okay, no, I can't, sorry. Yeah, but it's an example of ways. And, and you face those, you face it in school, you, you face it in all, all kinds of settings, on the playground, on the sports field, on the performance stage and platform, you, you face it in the workplace, in the boardroom. Um, it, it just, there, there are ways that you're Influenced, you're threatened, you're opposed for following Jesus who calls us to love. Who calls us to be, to be sure we're caring for the, the weak and the strong. He calls us to be honest. He calls us to, to forgive. He, he calls us to, to reach out to those that are maybe unlikable. Those are ways that we face that kind of opposition. And then some of us, even our own homes, because uh, maybe our spouse or our parents or, or our children are not Jesus followers. And so we have opposition even there. Um, and so Daniel is going to give us some guidance. How, how do we say yes to obeying God even in the face of opposition? And of course, in our day to day, there are plenty of, of our brothers and sisters in, in Christ who are followers of Jesus who face opposition all the time. And it is real threat. It is the same kind of threat that Daniel faced. I mean, in my lifetime, well, since I've been pastor here, I and mean, so in the last 15 years, I've had friends, people I knew directly 
who have met and even and one that uh, knew indirectly from a, another global worker that worked with them. I've had friends in um, Iraq, Mosul, Iraq, who faced that kind of direct threat from ISIS. Uh, had had friends um, in uh, Nigeria who faced and even were uh, faced directly that threat from Boko Haram. And today we have friends. I have a, a friend who knows someone who's in Kabul right now facing that kind of threat from the Taliban. So that's, that's real for our brothers and sisters around the world as well. So we're in with them in terms of what it means to say yes to Jesus when they face direct threat. Um, so um, the, as we look at the scriptures today uh, in the story of Daniel, he's going to give us some guidance. How do we say yes to obedience in the face of this direct opposition? When there doesn't seem to be any way out but to obey and face the consequences. Now, um, Daniel here, he's having an experience much like my friend, uh, friend in um, Kabul, Afghanistan. Daniel uh, was um, a part uh, of, he was a, a faithful Jew, faithful Israelite, living in Jerusalem, serving the Lord, and then Babylonian captivity happens. And it's as uh, Nebuchadnezzar, as Michael said, leading Babylon, the army, they come through and destroy Jerusalem. I mean, it's, it would be emotionally like uh, for anyone that was alive and remembers 9-11 here. 9-11 times a million. Because it wasn't just, it would have been like the World Trade Centers were attacked and came down. The White House was attacked and came down. The Pentagon was attacked and came down. The National Cathedral was attacked. And all of the military leaders, political leaders, the president, they were either murdered or kidnapped and carried away to the invading nation. And there they were forced to work and labor for the benefit of that nation. That's what happened to Israel. That's what Daniel was a part of. Uh, emotionally, I can't even get there to even understand what he was going through. But that's the situation that he's in, that we find him in. So if, he, if we're going to learn from someone, this is the one to learn from when we face threat, when we face opposition. How do we say yes to obedience in that time? So uh, we're in Daniel 6. I'm going to read a couple sections uh, from that for you. Daniel 6, 1 through 7. And then um, I'll uh, read through, I'll pick up at uh, verse 10 through 20, 22. Um, and as we look at this, the, the king actually now has changed. So now it's King Darius who's the king. And Daniel has actually, you know, he's been serving God as a... Uh, uh, As a prisoner, and as he's working his way up, he's now been very successful in what he's doing. Some of the Babylonians have gotten jealous of him, and they're wanting to take him down. So they're going to hatch a plan now with the king to take Daniel down, and we'll see how and if Daniel survives. Let's, uh, Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you again for your word that speaks of your truth. Now, lead and guide us that we might hear you and do what you would call and lead us to do. For Lord, we do want to obey you at all times, even in the hard times. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, Daniel, uh, starting with chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. 
and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed to establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions." So the next several verses, they sort of present what this plan is and how they get the king to agree to this, that no one should pray to anyone except to Darius for the next 30 days. Now we'll pick up in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, so no diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tongue of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. 
My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. First thing that you need to see as we read God's word is that there is no guarantee when we say yes to God, it does not guarantee us a pain-free life. I mean, look at Daniel. Look at what he was doing. He was doing everything according to God. He was obeying him. There's lots of passages that talk about, wait a minute, if we follow Jesus, that leads to joy, right? And peace and patience, right? That, that leads us uh, to, to life to the full. Isn't that what Jesus said? That, that we'll never be separated from God. Yes, He did. And it's true. That is our eternal reality. That is our ultimate destination. And that is our experience time to time in this life. That we are with God and we experience his joy and His the, the fullness of life in him. I mean, that's what was happening to Daniel at the beginning of the story, right? I mean, we're told that he is working his way up. He was the head um, uh, official now that King Darius was about to make him like his right-hand man. I mean, he was hitting it out of the park. It was like it was supposed to be, you know, that you're obeying God and you are successful and distinguished Above all. And it was because, we're told in verse 3, that he had an excellent spirit within him. The, the, the Holy Spirit uh, within him. But this world is a mixed bag as we continue to read. If you don't believe it from this passage, just go take uh, a few, uh, uh, take some time and read the book of Job. Uh, J-O-B. You know, it's a great book that shares the same reality. That this world is a mixed bag. We will face opposition. We will face threats as we follow Jesus. We live, one, we're sinful. We're selfish, broken people. We And we live among a people that are selfish and, and broken and rebellious. And we live in a world where systems are set up that oppose the ways of God. And the evil one, the devil himself, also still allowed to work in our midst to oppose, to to threaten us, to cause pain and loss and destruction. And that this this opposition that we face is not based on any kind of sense of justice or fairness or equity. Some people get a whole lot more than others. Just ask the Afghans. Or ask Jesus. Jesus, right? What was his life? Was lived perfectly in alignment with God the Father, God the Son, living in the power of God the Holy Spirit according to the divine plan of God the Father. And what did that get him? But the cross. And if we're following him, that means we go down his path. We go in where he stepped, we step. So we will face the same. And in other settings, Jesus promises us the same. He says, you also... You will, you will get greater things than you can imagine, plus suffering as well. It will come our way. That we will face this kind of threat and opposition as we follow Jesus. If you think that following Jesus means that that will lead us um, uh, to, to comfort, uh, to control, to convenience... Uh, that that is that is wrong. That is that is not what Jesus has promised us in, in this life. I mean, who wouldn't follow Jesus? 
if we were promised those, control, convenience, and comfort. But he does not. And, and Pain-free life. Because that way, because when you're surprised by it, you react out of your flesh instead of out of the spirit. You know, when we're surprised by suffering, we're surprised uh, by uh, opposition and threat, we react out of our self because, because of our own shock. But if we know, oh, this, this is what happens at times in this life as we're following Jesus, we face this kind of opposition. We face this kind of struggle. It's important then that, that we know it. Now, now someone here, an, an astute soul, may be saying about now, well, wait a minute. If Jesus doesn't guarantee me in this life comfort and convenience and control, why do I want to follow him? Good question. Now we're getting somewhere. If you're asking that question, that's a really, really good question to ask. And I want to tell you what I found. In following Jesus, I have found life to the full. I have found purpose and meaning in a sense of truth and goodness that transcends our experience on this globe together. It is the way of love. It is the way of purpose and meaning. And I want to say to you and to anyone that within the, the, the sound of my voice and encourage you to say yes to obeying God at all times because God's plan, God's purpose is good. Again, just ask Jesus. For the crucifixion led to the resurrection. I've, I've experienced that truth. That following God, even though it's hard, even though it's difficult, leads to His goodness and the, the meaning and purpose of life and love. And, now, and if, you're, if you're that seeker, though, you're asking that question, well, I don't know. If he, if he can't guarantee me comfort, convenience, and control, then I'm not sure I want to follow him. Well, I want to ask another question back to you. Who are you following then? Who do you think can guarantee you? Because you're following somebody. You're following something. Some plan, some will, some some direction you are going because you think it will lead to your comfort, convenience, and control. Who is it? I found that Jesus doesn't lead necessarily to comfort, convenience, and control, but he leads to truth and goodness, love, and life. And I encourage you to follow him. Now, um, it was with the Schindeldeckers... Laura and John Schindeldecker, many of you know, they were here a couple weeks ago. Um, they're global workers. They've worked uh, around the world on the um, sharing the love of Jesus with, with others. Um, and they are the ones, uh, they're at the stage of life, you know, similar to the stage that um, I'm in and that many of you are in. You know, empty nesters, you know, the latter part, you got more years behind you than you do in front of you. And it, it can be easy at that stage in life to coast. And pursue con- control, convenience, and comfort. And the Schindeldecker shared it with me as I was saying, you know, it's sort of this new stage in life. And he's like, yeah, this is what a mentor shared with me one day. And as they're in that same stage, a good, challenging word to us. They let's be sure we're pursuing to follow Jesus, particularly in the hard times, say yes in obedience, and not pursue control 
convenience and comfort. Now, now, how do we do that? Then what does Daniel say? All right, so understand that you're, what, what we're saying here. This is, there's no guarantee here. There is challenge before us. Well, how do we follow? What does Daniel, he gives us a little bit of a life hack here. It gives us a tricks of the trade, a, a, a perfect example of how to, to say yes to obedience to God in the midst of such threat and pain. And what he basically shows us here is practice obedience today. Wherever you are, make a habit of seeking God, of trusting God and obeying God now. I mean, Jesus said, if you're faithful in little things, you're faithful in big things. And that's what, ha- what verse 10, when it describes Daniel, remember it? So he knows what's going on. He's heard the decree is there and he he just continues to do what he's done previously. We're told his habit was to go before God three times a day. And that's what he continues to do. He doesn't change. He continues to follow after God, even though now this law has made that illegal. He continues to seek the Lord. So for us, the, 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 what we see from Daniel is, what are the habits that you're forming now so that you're obeying Jesus in the good times and the bad? You know, for some, for many of us, you know, things are doing okay. We don't have these kind of threats and opposition. But what kind of, what kind of ways are you practicing obedience? I would say even, it may be that some of you are practicing that simply by being in here with a mask on. This is a, a guideline that we have. You don't want to do it. And it's not comfortable. And, um, uh, but you're here. And, and you're doing it. You're doing what you really don't want to do for the common good. Uh, out of um, uh, o- obedience to the, the leadership of the church. Well, well so recognize that that, that is a, an act of obedience to God as well. And just a little small way that, that you're practicing this obedience. And, and you realize you survive. That actually you come and, and you worship with others. And there are probably times when you're worshiping, you forget you have a mask on even. You know, that it doesn't get in the way of engaging with, with God. Um, another way. Now, I know I'm going to really go to meddling here. Obeying the speed limit. It's another way. Simply to obey. Just to say, hey, all right, I'm going to, this is what the law is. It's right there. If you go up and down Hamilton Avenue, north of here, you, you, you got help. You got flashing signs now that are going to tell you what speed you're going. Uh, if it's too, too fast. And again, it's, it's, you may say, oh, that's sort of trite. Well, that's sort of the point. Obey in the simple things. Be prepared to obey in the bigger things. But be intentional about that. What are, with, in your relationship with God, as you're sitting with the spirits, you know, say, all right, what, what is something I can obey that I really don't want to, but I'm going to obey it because it is good. It's really not bad. It's, it's just my own rebelliousness that doesn't want to obey it. But Daniel, he practiced obedience regularly. We too can do that. Or even the, the spiritual practice, the thing that he was practicing was praying to God, was gathering with God together in submission and praise and adoration and petition. He would gather with him three times a day. And a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned, you know, taking 10 minutes a day just to be silent before the Spirit and just asking the Holy Spirit, hey, speak to me. 
Set your alarm for 10 minutes. Not be distracted. Just sit with the Spirit. Maybe that kind of practice. I mean, you know, what? what is the Spirit leading you? What kind of practices? And if, if you're in a, a, a growth group, um, the, the, that's the, one of the questions that you're going to be discussing. So you can be thinking about that now with one another. Our ways that maybe you can be practicing obedience and sharing that with others, maybe hearing others' thoughts as well. And let that be a good guide, too. It's a good warning. Because sometimes the reason we don't obey these things is because we're pursuing our own comfort, our own control, and our own convenience. And there's nothing wrong with those unless they distract us from following God and saying yes to obedience to God. Another thing I'll add, this is uh, I'll throw in here, is just, uh, and this goes back to my initial story about the, the car, selling the car. Learn from your failures. Never waste a good failure. Never waste a good act of disobedience. You know, openly, honestly recognize it and ask, hey, what was going on in me? Why, why was that the case? That, that, that happened to me, I don't know, I think it was 30 years ago. It was um, early in our marriage that I sold a car and I did lie. I did put on the title, hey, we only paid this much. My loving wife said, uh, that's not true. Like, yeah, you're right. I'm, I blew that one. But that then started a conversation with God and say, I, I don't ever want to do that again. I want to be honest no matter what I face. So I didn't want to, don't waste those failures. Learn from them. I mean, we, we are broken. And God knows it better than we do. And his grace abounds so that we might continue to learn and be transformed. And 30 years later, that even had impact today. So Daniel gives us this basic example of saying yes uh, to God. Uh, you know, I think another one, another example that we have in, in our lifetimes and in our, our history as a nation is the powerful example of the African-American church. They have said yes to obeying God in the midst of threat and opposition from their very beginning. Yeah, it, it, from the, the, the very beginning, they, they were told, no, you can't worship in this space as equals. So either go to the balcony or go down the street. That was the birth of the African-American church in, in, in our history. Uh, they, they weren't allowed to worship as equals, so they found the place that, that the church could do that. And Richard Allen in Philadelphia, the very founding of the African American Episcopal Church um, in the early 1700s. That's the, the reason he was kicked out of the, the church he was in. Or actually kicked to the balcony and they, he refused to go there and so started the African American church. Of many ways. So the, the church was, was born out of that kind of uh, Oppression, that kind of opposition, that kind of threat. And, and uh, just like Daniel, though, they continued to say yes to obedience to God, even in the face of opposition. And, of course, the last 250 years has been the, the same. I mean, even in my lifetime, we, we know of churches that have faced burnings and bombings and bullets, even at Bible study. And yet, they continue to say yes to God, even in the face of such opposition. 
Uh, we can we can learn uh, as well from our brothers and sisters in the church in our country who faced such opposition. That the, a community that they formed of supporting and encouraging and helping one another to keep saying yes to God because our identity is found, our purpose is found, our meaning is found in God. We have much to learn from that storied history. I have a video clip I want to share with you from uh, Howard Thurman. Some of you may have seen it. Uh, we posted it online on uh, uh, Friday. Um, uh, but uh, Howard Thurman was a wonderful Christian theologian, early part of the 1900s through the mid-1900s. And uh, his uh, grandmother was uh, a slave for the first 20 years of her life and was freed at the end of the Civil War. And he's going to share with us a little story that he heard from his grandmother, an experience that, that I think highlights this, this element uh, that we can learn from to say how, how do we continue, continually say yes to obedience to God even in the face of opposition and threat. So let's uh, show that clip. But it was Thurman's grandmother, Nancy Ambrose, who has the greatest impact on his life. Born in the 1840s, she spent her first 20 years as a slave on a large Florida plantation. She rarely speaks about those early years, but one story stays with Thurman throughout his life. She said that when she was a young woman on this plantation, once a year, a minister who was a slave on a neighboring plantation was permitted to have a religious service for the slaves. And always, it didn't matter what his subject was, he ended his sermon in the same way. She said he would stand and look at them and he would say, You are not slaves. You are God's children. So we would all wait for that moment because a faraway look would come in our eyes and, and just a slight stiffening of a spine. And there was a contagion which which came to us as little children, that, that the, the, the creator of existence also created me. And therefore, with that sort of backing, I could absorb all the violences of life. She wanted that to be his primary identity. For him to know that first and foremost, he was a holy child of God. Before he uh, learned anything else about himself that people might have said to him as a result of him being a young colored boy in Daytona Beach in the early 1900s. The creator of existence also created me. And therefore, all the violences of life. And the identity is so rooted in our identity in God that there's no other voice that can in any way dilute the power of belonging to God. That we're able to stand strong, to kneel strong like Daniel, or to sit strong in obedience to God. Now, 
The, the last thing that I want you to, to see here, that saying yes, what we see in Daniel and in Darius here, comparing them at the end of the, this part of the passage that we read, that they're saying, as Daniel's saying yes to God in obedience, it brings to him great peace in the midst of the storm. I mean, you remember the end part of that story? King Darius is running around like a chicken with his head cut off. He is distraught. Daniel, what can I do? What have I done? How is this happening? How, may, may your God save you. The God that you serve save you. And Daniel, it seems, as we're reading through it, is at ease. You know, we don't get any sense of his emotional struggle at all. But he's trusting and secure because he belongs to God. Whether he lives or dies, he knows he belongs to God. Uh, Friends, when we give ourselves to God in that way, totally surrender to God, saying yes to obedience, even in the face of evil, even in the face of destruction, we, we show a strength, a peace, like Daniel's, even in the face of lions. This is the, the kind of an encouragement that we need as a church. The, the kind of encouragement we need for one another. A kind of witness that the world needs and a way to honor God even in the midst of the lion's den. Uh, I'm wondering for you today, where is it? What's that little place? Where's that place that God is calling you to start obeying Him today? It might be in a, a simple way that you can practice this obedience to God. Maybe it's a spiritual practice like Daniel, praying three times a day. Or, or maybe it's clear to you. Again, I encourage you to, to consider that. Again, if you're in your growth groups, that'll be one of the questions. Or simply just with a trusted Christian friend. Make that the, the question that you can share and discuss with one another. So that we... Like Daniel, be practicing that obedience so that when opposition and threat comes to us individually, wherever we might be, or uh, even uh, corporately, that we'll be ready. We'll be ready like Daniel to follow, to trust, and to obey. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we do give you thanks 